This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. As a parent, we want what is best for our children. But we have a great deal more experience in life, and often they don't understand the things that we try to do. For instance, we can take a cookie jar and set it on a table before dinner, and the child may ask for a cookie, and ask, and ask, and ask. See, you see, the child does not understand that the cookie will spoil the meal, and he continues to ask. <clears throat> a good parent will redirect focus of the child. Setting the cookie jar high on a shelf and taking the child by the hand into another room and playing toys with him to take his mind off of that cookie. Now, if a parent left the cookie jar on the table and just constantly scolded the child not to eat or even ask for a cookie in a room full of visitors, the visitors would eventually scold or instruct the parent. Most would understand the mind of a child and they would want to help the child rather than break him down over a silly cookie. Cult pastors are exactly opposite of this scenario. Lining cookie jars up along the altar, they pound the rules into the minds of their captives. One cookie jar might have drinking in it, another might be smoking or television. Each cookie jar on their platform contains some rule that they wish to enforce and they drive a nail through each one of them into the hearts of the people. If it were a piece of lumber, <clears throat> they would drive the nail all the way through the board into the ground. I've often wondered why it had to be this way. <clears throat> I sincerely doubt that a single person in one of the Branham cult churches, I sincerely doubt there's a single one that did not know the rules by the second or third service. As I sat there, I kept waiting for the good stuff, <clears throat> but it always lingered on these rules and not the blessings. It was almost as if I were the oddball, the eagle who thought he was a chicken, in the story that William Branham plagiarized from Reverend Franklin. You see, I was hungry for the gospel. 
In fact, I visited a church in Louisville, Kentucky, where they had a forced altar call. The pastor, <clears throat> following in Branham's footsteps, he claimed that he had the gift of discernment. Not spiritual discernment, but the gift of what Branham called discernment. And he proceeded to walk down the aisle, and he would point to those that had sin in their lives. And he kept going down the aisle, <clears throat> pointing at them so that they would proceed to the altar and go repent. Now, I had, personally, more sin in my life than any single person in that room. In fact, according to the scripture, <clears throat> we were all sinners, saved by grace alone. Everyone should be at the altar. But see, his discernment was mostly for the sister who wore a little color on his face, or whose hair was a touch too short, or the man whose hair was a touch too long. Honestly, I felt this man was just a little insane because I was the least among them. Why did he skip me? You see, these cult pastors, they keep you focused on your sin just as the intentions of the Mosaic Law. Christ came to fulfill that old covenant, showing us that we were all sinners. <clears throat> the law was magnified to show how sinful we were. Under the new covenant of grace, we're not supposed to focus on the cookie jars, like a dieting, overweight person standing in a house of chocolates. <clears throat> we're to look beyond those things, and look to Calvary, where our Savior paid the cost. By experience, I can honestly say that all men in this cult have a very difficult time. Women that have now been starting the deprogramming phase, they often say it was degrading for them, but they have no idea what a man goes through. <clears throat> you see, William Branham said that a woman who cuts her hair was a prostitute according to the Bible. He said that women who wear pants or shorts were prostitutes. Cult pastors take this even further saying that to show your toes or your knees or shoulders, forgetting that Christians in other cultures around the world in warmer climates must dress accordingly. For a man <clears throat> in one of these cults, Honestly, you can't step outside your door without seeing what you have been programmed to think is a prostitute. In fact, a shopping mall or grocery store is practically a bordello. Why do you think that pornography and other sexual addictions are so widespread in these cults? The pastors have decided to belittle you by keeping all of the cookie jars right in front of your faces blasting you weekly for even thinking about what's in the jar, but yet the jar is set right in front of your face. I'm learning that many of us, we may struggle for years as we try to deprogram ourselves from these false teachings. Hebrews 6 condemns the very thing that these pastors are doing. Paul says that these pastors are crucifying Christ once more. And that's a very solemn statement. Let's read Hebrews 6. Paul says, <clears throat> Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ 
and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance. Let me read that again, because I don't believe that the pastors have read this chapter. Not laying again a foundation of repentance. From dead works, the things that we do, and faith towards God and instructions about washing, baptism in some translations, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits, but it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted in the heavenly gift, and who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, <clears throat> and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, going back to these things, it's impossible to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up in contempt. Let's break this paragraph down and compare it to William Branham's doctrine. Laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. He did that. New instructions for faith. He did that. Instructions on baptism. Check. Laying on of hands. Possibly. Resurrection of the dead, definitely. Eternal judgment. I am still dumbfounded by this one. Why? Why would you debate if hell is five minutes or the rest of eternity? Does this mean that Branham crucified Christ again and that the pastors are doing it weekly or bi-weekly? These are Paul's words, not mine. If we continue through the scriptures and continue on to Hebrews 8, we find that all of these things being pounded into our heads are worthless and obsolete according to Paul. <clears throat> Paul says, now the point in what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that God has set up, not man. You see, God reigns on his throne. These earthly priests are supposed to be teaching us the new covenant, not the old one. Christ is up here. For every high priest is anointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. Think of that. Christ is up here. If he were on earth, it would be according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the Old Covenant. Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the Old Covenant. Why would we not want to focus on that one? He mediates a better, since it is enacted on better promises. For, and listen to this, Paul says, for, 
if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion, no need to look for a second. The old covenant failed. Paul just said so. He said if it had been any good, there would be no need for a new one. This is much, much different than Branham's claim that Christ came to make that old covenant stronger. <clears throat> Paul says, for when he finds fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a old covenant. No, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not, I repeat, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. This is Paul speaking. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Think of this. The children of Israel asked Moses to go back up the mountain and get the rules. They asked Moses for the cookie jar. And God gave them their wish because they were so persistent. But God was not teaching children. God was teaching men and women to be the parents of the gospel. Not the child who's begging for a cookie, the parents. He was teaching them how awful it was to have all of these cookie jars in their faces, like the pastors do today. Paul says, <clears throat> For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts <clears throat> and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more let me repeat that last. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So why keep shoving it back in your faces? God just said that he was taking the cookie jars and putting them away. And those who kept begging, those who sneaked around the corner to grab one, they were all forgiven. Paul repeats himself, begging the people not to be caught up with these brutal pastors. Paul says, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. As Christians, we should consider this. God took the cookie jars out of our faces. He placed them high on a shelf where we can easily access them if we want to. And he told us not to eat them because there would be a wedding supper. We can eat the cookies. He said we would still be forgiven. But by wiping out the old covenant and dying on the cross for us, he has shown us a much better way. Now, they're up here sitting on the shelves, and we have matured to adults. We're more excited about the feast that is coming than these small cookies. Isn't it time that we started to show these cult pastors the real gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can mature to adults? Isn't it time that we show them that 
the new covenant replaced the old one because it was useless and vanished away. Isn't it time that we tell them what the Savior did on the cross so that they can receive Christ into their own hearts? I'll let you decide.